Okay. Good win. A nice um <laughs> a nice rebound win. Right? A good bounce back and that's all. You know, that's that's as far as I'll go. Uh not getting too high again. Okay. I, I got ahead of myself during the nine gamer. Um I'll say this was a needed win. Uh a, a, not the prettiest win. Not their best win, but it was nice to win. It was a needed win. Uh the Nets won again last night. Um you know, so losing this could have been very dangerous for the Knicks with only 12 games remaining now um, had they not pulled it out. But, you know, it was a good one. Uh, on another night without Brunson, the Knicks needed to respond after Saturday's debacle against the Clippers, and they did. Um, and debacle, you know, by, by debacle, I'm not saying it was a bad game they played. They made it close to the end. But, you know, the whole Randall thing. Uh, he responded well to his disastrous me- uh, meltdown. Um, R.J. Barrett answered back after a quiet Saturday evening. The two of those guys combined for 63 points last night. Six different Knicks shot 50% or better. And eight of the nine Knicks were at least 44%. Um, and here's one. The Knicks actually shot the ball well at the free throw line. 81% on 21 attempts. So the final score last night in L.A. against the Lakers, obviously without LeBron, the Knicks 112 over the Lakers 108. Um, it was a tough game, though, you know, especially to start. Um, and we'll get into all of that. We'll recap this game. And uh, first, let's get to the intro. Episode 493 of the podcast. Let's go. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down and the game is tied! Time! Penetrate, creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Alright, so we're getting right into the recap in this one. Welcome to the show, episode 493 of the podcast, and I'm your host, RJ. So, we're going right into this one. Um, Yeah, early on in this game, the Knicks kind of got off to a slower start, um, allowing way too many offensive rebounds, not boxing out. In particular, Randall's efforts from the jump weren't exactly inspiring. Robinson kind of playing like a doofus out there. Nobody was really closing out with any intensity either on the perimeter. Um, But offensively, the Knicks did have it going in the first quarter. Uh, The game went back and forth for a little bit. D'Angelo Russell was hot early, and he kept that going throughout the night. Uh, But then Randall in the first quarter, he starts to heat up. He's getting to the basket, and eventually produces 25 points in the first half for the Knicks. He goes on this nice... 14-point 
stretch all by himself towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, then you get Hartenstein and Deuce McBride checking in with the second unit. They pick up the defensive intensity level as a team. In the final minute of the period, R.J. Barrett finishes a running layup, and he makes it 31-27 Knicks after one. Um, second quarter, the Knicks push the lead to eight points out the gate, but again, D'Lo stays hot. Anthony Davis chips in later on in the period. Um, but the Knicks, you know, they keep getting some strong offense from quickly. Uh, and by, of course, Randall, he goes on another nice run at the end of the second quarter. Uh, quickly hits him up up top with the driving kick action at the three-second mark. Randall knocks down the triple. And the Knicks eventually head into halftime, up 62-59. Um, third quarter comes. Randall, you got him playing with a lot of aggression out the half. He follows up a miss by getting out on the break for a slam with a steal. He converts the N1 free throw. And then it's really back and forth for the third quarter most of the time. Uh, Deuce McBride's out there playing excellent defense. RJ knocks down a few more. Got some contributions from the other guys in the second unit. Um, D'Angelo Russell gets hot from three. Uh, Dennis Schroeder knocks one down. Hachimura knocks another one down. The Knicks enter the fourth quarter down one point after not capitalizing on some big second-chance opportunities towards the end of the third quarter. Um, Early fourth quarter, the Lakers are getting to the rim with ease, but RJ then gets hot. Obi Toppin gets a view to fall. Randall adds on. And suddenly, you've got the Knicks up 10 points with two minutes and change to play. You know, any other team, you would think this is an easy win. But the Knicks, uh, some bad fouls. It allows the Lakers to stay right in it. Uh, Some disorganized offense without their leader on the floor, obviously, in Brunson. And then it's Hachimura with a tough turnaround in the post. Josh Hart doesn't really put a hand up because I guess he, you know, the officials were blowing the whistles pretty easily. Uh, you get quickly missing a tough pull-up shot. Then D'Angelo Russell's getting into the paint, and you had the possession. You know, the double screens up top for the Reeves-Davis pick-and-roll. That happens, and suddenly it's a four-point game. And then for my favorite dumb decision of the night... Um, you had the possession with 30 seconds left on the game clock, 15 seconds on the shot clock. The Knicks have the ball up four points. RJ's Bar- RJ Barrett's got it up top. For some reason, he decides to rush the possession, and he shoots, he shoots it right away, basically, by forcing a drive from up top, um, going left and misfiring over Austin Reeves at the rim. So, with plenty of time still left, 20-something seconds left, Anthony Davis grabs the board, throws it right to Schroeder, who finishes on the fast break around quickly. That cuts the lead to two points. Um, Nicks up just two. And again, there's like 15 or 20-something seconds left. Um, Fortunately for the Knicks, uh, they do a very nice job this time of inbounding the basketball, first off. Um, But getting it up the court... And moving the ball around very quickly to avoid the foul. Eventually, it's Josh Hart who gets fouled, but it's with five seconds left. Um, He knocks them both down. And the Knicks win the game to avoid a potential disaster in L.A. Um, So, some big stops help them pull away. 
despite the rough moments there at the end. Uh, the Knicks were able to you know, stretch a one-possession game into two-possession game in the final minutes there, and that's 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 uh, how they won this game. But, you know, just, just a few things I want to get into that I disliked about the game before we get into the good. Um, so we'll talk about all that as soon as we return from our first break. Stay with us. Be right back. I'm your host, RJ. Hey, guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. All right. Welcome back to the show. Um, So the offense, you know, I'm going to be straight with you. The offense without Brunson just looks disorganized. Um, the fact that the Knicks almost erased a 10-point lead with two minutes left, tough to do, even in today's era. Um, you know, they, were, they, they like to kill the shot clock, but then they weren't capitalizing. You know, you could just see they're thinking on the fly out there. There's no organized plan. There's no quarterback out there for them without Brunson, no orchestrator to run some actual offense. Like they call for these screens, but then they do nothing after the initial action. It's literally just a free-for-all. They get into their sets, but there's no action after. Um, they were getting killed in transition a few times late because of that poor offense. You know, uh, you look at some of the examples I've got down here on my notes. Um... With two minutes to play, Randall doing what I've spoken about before where he holds on to it a little too long in a double because he wants to make the home run play instead of swinging it and allowing the assist to come naturally and not forced. Uh, and he did a nice job of that most of the game. I don't want to knock this one possession, but it was in a clutch moment. He holds on to it for about five seconds. I think it's Hachimura who brings the help. And then Randall swings it down low to RJ, who kind of forces up a tough floater. That led to a transition opportunity for the Lakers. The next time down, with a minute and change, quickly holds on to it until forcing up a pull-up triple over Hachimura. Comes around the Hartenstein screen, misses. Um, after the uh, D'Angelo Russell finger roll pulls the Lakers within six, RJ Barrett isolates Reeves, loses it in the final seconds of the shot clock, and then has to chuck up a three at the buzzer off a broken play. And then you you got the one after the timeout when R.J. Barrett forced a shot way too quickly that we just talk about talked about. It's just shit like that. It, it just looks so disorganized without Jalen Brunson. You just watch them. They just don't look like they know what they're doing. Not to say, you know, I'm not trying to criticize Emmanuel quickly because he's been, he's been strong. He had a solid game last night again. Uh, 15 points, 6 of 12 shooting, 3 assists. He's done well. He's done well as a starter without Brunson. Um, in 14 games as a starter overall, not all of them have come without Brunson, but in 14 games as a starter this year, Quickly's averaging 19-5-5. Five five. Um, I, I think the one thing he tries to do too much to fill in for Brunson's scoring when he's absent is, is score. He tries a little too much to, to get the buckets. Um... Which might be why you see those occasional very inefficient outings when he starts on occasion. 
you know, um, like you had in Charlotte when he was one of 11. Um, like you had a few months ago, I remember there's a game where Brunson was out because he was banged up and quickly scored either 25 or 30-something points, and he was like 10 to 28 or something like that. So he, you know, sometimes he tries to do much, a lot, tries to do too much when he's in that starting role. Uh, but again, last night I, I thought he did very well. Uh, on both sides of the floor, too. I love the play he made defensively early on where he shows on AD on the inverted pick and roll on the side there. Uh, then he goes behind him to make him think that AD's on an island with Mitch Robinson. But then, unaware, AD uh, quickly pokes it loose from behind, and that kind of leads to a fast-break opportunity for the Knicks. Just smart defense like that. Also had a big second quarter. He scored nine points for the Knicks. All night, though, just attacking the middle of the paint, showing some real excellent footwork and patience on the drive, you know, stopping on a dime, shifting positions when he picks up his dribble. Does a really nice job of that, and it, it's similar to Brunson. Um, so I don't want to criticize him um, because I know he's filling in at point guard with, with Brunson gone, but I don't know. I feel like Grimes honestly needs to add more. You know, we keep saying this, but he's just not aggressive enough. If a night, if you have a night without Brunson, it feels like Grimes should be the guy who starts to be more aggressive too. Um, he's got the quick release to beat a closeout, but he chooses way too often, in my opinion, to attack baseline. And a lot of the time when he does attack, he's very predictable because he telegraphs that he's going to make the kick out sort of by leaning towards the baseline and jumping for the pass. You know, the defense can make that read from the weak side like uh, Vanderbilt did last night and, and be able to defect, deflect the ball, force a turnover, things like that. Um, but, yeah, all in all, it's 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 just the offense that lacks the next step without Brunson. It's, I don't really know how to describe it well enough. I just know. Like, it's, it's, it's like the eye test for me. Um, it just, you know, and people keep saying Jalen Brunson will be healthy by the playoffs. Yeah, I know that. First of all, we, we hope, right? <laughs> but assuming he comes back, you know, um, during the target game, I think the target game is is uh, Denver is what Wojnarowski said on Friday. Um, yes, you know, assuming he's healthy for the playoffs, it's not going to be like this. But at the same time, you know that defenses are going to, you know, try taking Brunson out of the offense. They're going to force it to Randall either way. And as I have been saying, it's it's not going to be 48 minutes of, of ISO Brunson in a playoff round. He's killed it in ISO this year, but it's not you're not going to be able to do that. I'm telling you, man, zones, traps, blitzes, double teams, packing the paint. They're going to throw everything. They're going to mix in coverages. They're going to play a quasi-zone. They're going to do everything, bring soft doubles, help from the weak side. They're going to load up. on. They're going to make it hell. The Knicks are going to have to adjust. And one of the things you can do to break a zone and, and to help out a guy like Brunson when he's getting forced to move the ball is three-point shooting. But again, that's a concern for me because once again last night, the three-point shooting was pretty abysmal without Jalen Brunson. And again, Brunson doesn't take a ton of threes, but one, he's efficient when he does, um, and he makes the defense at least respect him. 
They play the Knicks differently when he's on the court. He sets guys up nicely on the three. Come playoff time, you already know R.J. Barrett is going to be left wide open. They're going to cheat off him and use that extra defender somewhere else. Grimes, too, because he's not knocking down open looks anymore. Not at a great rate. So, I do worry about the offense. Yeah. I know that metrics say it's been good, but that's, again, with Brunson. And you're not going to be able to do everything we've been doing in this in this regular season in a playoff round because you're going to face only the top teams. And right now, I believe the way the seeding works is the six plays the one. And I believe that's Milwaukee. So, um, so I was a little concerned about the offense again. Uh, and the three-point defense last night, I thought, was worse than the numbers say. Uh, the Lakers were only 33%, but they were 7-17, 41% in the first half. Um, they had a lot of open looks, though, especially in the third quarter. Um, and the shot just, you know, they just didn't drop. A lot of lazy closeouts last night, and a lot of times guys just refusing to make their closeouts. Um, I, again, I hate to knock Randall on a bounce-back night, but early on with the boxing out, or lack thereof, and then just, just standing and watching Laker guards and wings and, and forwards, whoever he was on, shoot threes and just not be bothered. You know, um, Mitchell Robinson, I think he struggled defensively. The Knicks were showing a lot of help when Davis posted Mitch up early because Mitch just couldn't handle him. You know, he was having trouble in the initial actions, um, just getting embarrassed in single coverage, a couple blow-bys. He wasn't great in pick and roll, um, kind of lost him. I, I saw the possession early third quarter, I want to say, where Mitch gets up from the floor. I think he fell down or something. And, uh, you know, he was kind of caught with his back to the action. That led to a Davis dunk. It seemed like most of the night Mitch was kind of shading Anthony Davis left to the baseline. Um, I don't know what their game plan was on him, but he didn't. at the end of the day, AD only scored a measly 17. Um, the thing was, he kept Mitch off the glass and kept Mitch chasing him around the perimeter most of the night. You know, just just a bad couple of games for Mitchell Robinson lately, but I think he's okay. Um, Quentin Grimes last night defensively was also not good. I thought he was torched by D'Angelo Russell. 33 points from D'Lo, 68%, and most of that was on Quentin Grimes. Um, just getting caught on some screens, some screens. Um, you know, just a step late all night and wasn't really applying a ton of ball pressure on D'Lo at all. Um, but let's get to a positive. Let's talk about Julius because he had a great uh, bounce back performance last night against the Lakers. So what we'll do is get to one more break, return, and hand Julius the game ball amongst the starting unit last night. So we'll do that right now as soon as we get back from this break. Stay with us. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. 
All right, welcome back to the show. Julius Randle gets our game ball last night. Bing bang. Um, yeah, he was good. 33 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 8 of 11 at the free throw line. A much better game from Julius, uh, bouncing back from his, I guess what we're calling the uh, the relapse game. You know, I had a feeling he would bounce back too, so I put some money down on his line to score over 25 points. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I cashed in on that, but unfortunately Team USA, who I had parlayed in, parlayed in this bet, they got walloped. Um, in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but, you know, with Randall, the annoying things will always be there. Again, the closeouts, the box outs. Um, I hate how he always takes the tech when Quickly's on the floor. Uh, took a little too many threes for my liking last night. All that. But outside of that, no, he did really play well, though. Um, he was killing it in transition. I loved seeing that. Um, a couple nice dunks in there. And, you know, he was getting to the rim and the free throw line really most of the night despite the 3-for-12 three-point shooting. Um, 25 points in the first half. 8 points in the second half because the defense started putting more focus on him. But he did do a nice job against swinging the ball out when the Lakers loaded up on him. Um, You know, one of those possessions, um, you had Schroeder, I think it was in the third quarter maybe, but you had Schroeder helping off Deuce McBride in the corner kind of had like a soft double on Julius with uh, Troy Brown. So he kicks it to Deuce. Deuce knocks down the three. Um, so, yeah, some, some some good moments passing out of doubles last night. But it was a great game, a great bounce back for Julius. I'll give the guy credit. Um, the one thing I will say with, with Randall, and, you know, every once in a while when Julius Randall follows up a nightmare game with a great game, what I call the Randy boys, they'll come out of the hiding and, and they'll start advocating for this guy to win the damn MVP. Uh, I mean, there was a damn post about Randall uh, on a popular Knicks page that my cousin tagged me in about Randall not getting his respect and should be in conversation to win MVP. Um, <laughs> I don't like, like and, you know, there were some people saying it in the comments, like he needs more respect. He is, it should be a case for the MVP. He's the top power forward in the game. As if there are more, as if there are many uh, true power forwards. But like, people get all sensitive when Knicks fans are tough on Randall. But again, that goes back to what I always say about expectations, man. You know, at some point, the happy to be here stuff ends, right? When you've shown great regular seasons before, you know, what she has. When, when, when you get the big contract and you are now expected to make, to take uh, the next step, you know, what is that next step? That's playoff basketball, you know, playoff basketball. That's, that's when I'll become a Randall fanboy. If he comes through for a change when it matters most until he erases the Hawks series from my mind, Randall and this Knicks team for that matter will be looked at in that sense where it's great, but it's not anything that's changing my mind. I have to see it. Right? Like It's cool, but do it for me in a playoff series. That's where I am right now. That is where I am now with this team. All right? I got a little too high off the nine-game streak, okay? I broke character, but now I, I consider myself grounded again. All right? And I'm not so sure about this team yet. At this point, I just need to see it when it counts. We've got 12 games to go. Uh, but I am back, okay? 
to me, it's it's fourth, fifth seed or bust, or more importantly, more so, second round or bust. That's what I want to see. Give us a competitive second round. Get into the second round. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do not care about your feelings towards Randall as an MVP candidate. I don't care about that stuff at all. It's meaningless, and, and Randall winning an MVP does zero for my team. You know, I don't care about the Randy boys who think this guy is, is better than Hall of Fame wing Carmelo Anthony. We're starting to hear that online. Colin Coward's out there talking his bullshit. Like, I don't care. At this point, win me some playoff rounds, and then I'll join your little cult. That's it. That's simply how I will be judging Randall and this Knicks team going forward. That's all I care about. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not jumping out the window anymore. Um... So that's all I have to say on that. But I found that funny. Uh, it's every time he follows up a nightmare game with a great game, you get the same narrative flowing out there. But a great game last night. A great game last night from Julius. I thought he played great. Um, the bench played very well last night. And I want to give credit to the bench. Because without the bench, the Knicks might not win this game. Especially defensively. Key stops, key rebounds, and some key baskets also by the second unit. Despite... Again, quickly running out there with the first unit. Um, Josh Hart did his usual shit, right? Hustle plays, winning basketball, being what I call the D-Rose from the COVID year. That's who Hart is this year. By getting the Knicks out in transition every single time he gets a rebound or gets a big stop. Um, the only thing with Josh Hart is that he doesn't take those, those um, open three-pointers a lot. You know, with more volume, I understand that efficiency does decrease. But when you're wide open, like he's wide open a lot, and you have the ability to knock him down, and he does, take him. You know, take him. That's what Thibodeau has been preaching. That's one thing where Thibodeau has modernized himself in. He wants the Knicks to take open threes. Um, And I think that's why the Knicks tend to struggle sometimes when Josh Hart shares the floor with the starting unit, in particular with guys like RJ and, and Robinson. Because obviously Mitch is going to do his thing in the RA, but RJ is is not a consistent shooter. And Hart, he doesn't take the three unless he's wide open. So the spacing on the floor when they're out there together isn't great, especially if the defense is going to zone them. If they're in a zone, forget it. So we need Josh Hart to take those open threes more because it can open up a lot for the offense. Um, but all in all, it was a great night for Josh Hart. Eight points, eight boards, four assists. Very underrated passer because, again, he's always got his head up in full court play and he's making the right pass to Obi Toppin or whoever it is. Um, Hartenstein had a great night last night, both on the glass and he made his overall impact everywhere despite the scoring. But, again, who cares about the zero points because I thought he played some very solid defense on AD. Um, great help defense last night. He was boxing out for his teammates. Uh, He was grabbing his own rebounds in traffic. He also ran a little dribble handoff in the half court. um, Passing the ball well. I I thought Hartenstein was good. Obi Toppin has been alive lately. Nine more points for Obi in 12 minutes. Uh, Listen, I'm not bitching about the minutes like most people do because Randall's out there producing for you. But I am just pointing out that lately he's been looking like the guy we need more. Um, the guy who could score in spurts, and, and we're seeing that, right? He's being a bit more aggressive um, and less hesitant with his jump shots. He's finishing at the rim, attacking transition a little more, finding seams in the defense. So I think Obi's played well. Um, 
But I want to give the second game ball tonight to Deuce McBride because I thought Deuce McBride was all over this game. Bing bang. Deuce McBride last night, eight points, three of five shooting, three steals, a plus 15 in the box score, which was the second best on the team in the game. And a uh, and he played 17 minutes. Uh, first of all, the offense with Deuce, great to see. You know, he knocked out a couple threes. He finished on the fast break a little bit, doing very well early fourth quarter. Um, and that helped Thibodeau give quickly a little bit extra rest. Uh, but the Lakers went into a zone, right, a few times because I'm sure they've seen the scouting reports on Deuce. They know he doesn't provide a ton of offense, but last night he countered that and he gave you offense. Um, and the more he gives you offense, he's going to be rewarded with those five, six extra minutes, you know, if he continues to give them offensive production. Um, he won't be just situational, but we need to see that more. But um, he was absolutely uh, the best one off the bench last night because um, of his defense. And, man, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see him out there playing defense, man. It, it's it's really fun to watch. Um I never thought I'd say that about a player. You know, even more fun to watch than Frank, like I defensively because I the way he applies constant ball pressure. And he was doing that throughout the entire night out there forcing shot clock violations late. Uh, because of his full court pressing, he's forcing Laker guards to cross the timeline later than they'd like to. You know, the Lakers they're getting into their sets with 17 seconds on the shot clock last night. And this is a team who plays at a very high pace. I think they're, if they're not first, they're second in pace. You know, so that's a big part of, of why they shot so poorly. He, he's forcing them to get into their offense sooner than they'd like. Or, or, you know, later in the clock, rather, than they'd like. Um, in the half court, he's jumping the pass lanes. The help defense is always there. If he's in a mismatch... He'll, he'll do everything he can to be physical and force a pass out. You know, some really, really, really impressive possessions from him came last night. Um, a couple in the second half, early fourth quarter, he's fighting over Dennis Schroeder's quick screen. Then he fights over that Gabriel guy's screen, and he draws the offensive foul on him. Uh, he fought off of uh, two Gabriel screens in one possession in the first quarter, which was really impressive. That leads to a steal and a fast break opportunity. Uh, late third quarter, he helps off a of Schroeder. He switches with Hart on the Reeves-Gabriel pick and roll. And then he steps in front of Reeves on the dribble drive to force a bad pass weak side. Uh, how about back to the first quarter? Uh, he digs at the nail to cut off the drive off of a Reeves-Gabriel DHO action. And then he recovers right back out to Schroeder for a short closeout at the elbow three. Just, if you watch him do this shit, it's really impressive because it's, it's the extra shit with him. That's what Knicks fans fall in love with. It's when you do the extra shit. And that's what a guy like Thibodeau has fallen in love with. That's why Deuce McBride has gotten a ton of burn this year is because Thibodeau has, has rewarded him by making the effort plays. Um, so I have no issue with him getting the uh, the ninth man spot now that Brunson's uh, out for a bit. So, yeah, I, I thought Deuce McBride was was arguably the best Nick on the floor last night. 
Uh, just in terms of winning impact, I thought he was so good defensively. And again, he added some offense last night. Um, but R.J. Barrett, he played very well. 30 points, 5, assi- uh, five rebounds, couple assists. Big second half from R.J. too, scoring 20 points. Getting to the line in the third quarter. Uh, big fourth quarter from the field. I liked what I saw from him early fourth quarter as a facilitator too. With the Knicks down three points, the Lakers were in a zone. RJ's up top above the break. He does a nice job driving middle to collapse the defense at the nail and open up a three-point opportunity for Josh Hart. He makes the kick out, Hart knocks it down, and the Knicks from there tie the game 88-all. So I thought that was an important possession. But yeah, he was killing it from two-point distance most of the night, um, going 11 of 19 from inside the arc, 58%. Uh, outside of a couple bunnies that he missed, he was showing some pretty great touch off his drives and finishing in a variety of ways. You know, right hand, left hand, Euro finishes through some contact, call or no call, uh, spin moves, did a nice job adjusting and changing his shot trajectory on those floaters to be able to get it over longer defenders like AD. Um, but yeah, just, just going downhill, attacking space most of the night which was a very good sight to see. You know, man, I I just wish R.J. Barrett was a more efficient finisher, more elite at the rim, because he gets there so well. He can get there with ease, so easily with his strength in the upper body and his his methodical skill set. He finds a way to the rim, but he's just so up and down. Plus, he he still takes too many three-pointers. You know, he was one of eight last night. The one he did hit was a pretty important one, but you know, you got to cut that down. This guy who's not a great three-point shooter, low thirty percent guy. But um, yeah, I think that's it. You know, it was a nice, nice win. Uh, tomorrow, you're wrapping this one up. The West Coast trip, you're wrapping it up before you come back home. It'd be nice to wrap this up on a two and two West Coast trip without Jalen Brunson. That'd be um, that'd be solid. You know, it's Portland. So you can have a little Cam Reddish versus Josh Hart matchup going on. Uh, Cam also, you know, he made some comments the other day, but, you know, who cares? He's, to me, I don't care. He's not with the team anymore. Uh, And once you're not a Nick, once you're not helping my team win, I I couldn't care less about you. Uh, Plus, why would anybody care with how great of an impact Josh Hart has had to this Knicks team who actually wins games? Um and Hart kind of plays that similar style, but with the complete opposite motor, you know? So, yeah, um, good win for the Knicks. Let's wrap this up when we return from break. Stay with us. Be back in a minute. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to BD4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to BD4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. 
Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ. One second here, let me just send this text. <sighs> Hold on. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I think we're going to wrap this up with our trivia. That should be good. Um. I need to get to a Nick playoff game this year. That might be my my uh, the one game I get to. It might have to be uh, a playoff game at the Garden. All right, let's wrap it up with our trivia. All right, so for episode 493, we've got a true or false for you. Our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day for episode 493. True or false? Neither the Knicks nor Lakers have won consecutive games against each other since the 2015-16 NBA season. Neither the Knicks nor Lakers have won consecutive games against each other since the 2015-16 NBA season. True or false? All right. So one final time, true or false, neither the Knicks nor Lakers have won consecutive games against each other since the 2015-16 NBA season. Man, whenever I make the graphic for this trivia, I always, I'm very OCD, so I always get so annoyed when I put a question mark at the end of true or false statements because it's not a question, it's a statement. And I keep forgetting I do it all the time. All right. Um, That's it. I appreciate you all stopping by. Episode 493 of the podcast is in the books. Thanks for stopping by. BD4, Ep 493. Uh, 494 will be out either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, And we're going to have a couple of guests on. We do some Yankees talk, um, some Pittsburgh Pirates talk, because one of the guests that will join us for the first time is a Pirates fan. We talk a little UFC. Uh, and then you know, we kind of get off topic for a bit there. Um, yeah, get into a whole bunch of shit. I don't know. But it was good. So I hope you enjoy it. But that's coming out probably tomorrow. Um, as I am recording and as you are listening to this episode, the earliest it is is March 13th on a Monday. So thanks for stopping by. And I'll see you when I see you in the next one. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.